You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. At the top of the hour this hour, tips on starting a girl group. Over at the lesbian-focused site Autostraddle, Elena has written a helpful post with 10 steps to starting your own all-girl a cappella group. From recruitment to leadership to defining look and theme to rep, the post runs the gamut of the process in a cogent, well-written piece. In addition to supporting the continued growth of new groups and diversity by outlining the sequence leading up to a group's first performance, Elena has consolidated the information into a manageable list. Although written from the perspective of starting an all-female group, the advice in the article is appropriate for all. Check it out over at autostraddle.com. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus. This is Acaville Radio's weekly talk show where we uh, we talk about acapella. If you didn't get that from the title, you know, that's that's an issue. So today I'm joined by one of my very closest friends in the world, Miss Aubrey Ann Lawrence. Hello. <laughs> so Aubrey, you know, we have a bunch of topics to talk about today and ones that I think are really unique to your position, as we are with every single guest we have. Uh, but before we dig into that, could you just tell us um, and the listeners at home a little bit about yourself, what you do and your acapella experience? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I'm Aubrey. I recently graduated from the University of Puget Sound. I was a music business major and I was a member of Puget Sound's treble group, What She Said, for three and a half years. And yeah, that was my main, that was my acapella involvement. I was involved in a few other musical groups on campus, but yeah, that's me. Yeah, and then you guys obviously know me. I was in the Timberman group I started, so Aubrey and I both had very different, but um, very exciting and interesting acapella experiences at the University of Puget Sound. So one of the things we're going to be talking about today is a situation that I think the Aubrey's the only one I know who's been in this situation, and that is leaving one group for another group it's the group breakup and then the getting together with the other group it's you know it's awkward and it's tricky to navigate kind of politically and without getting too deep into all the drama of the ups campus we'll keep it broad um, of course but we're going to discuss that a little bit because i think that's a topic that or a position people find themselves in and maybe they don't know how to handle it maybe it's scary i've never been in that situation which is why aubrey's here because she knows a lot more than me so aubrey could you tell us your story and your involvement and what happened with you deciding to leave one acapella group for the other what was that like sure so i like many freshmen decided to audition for an acapella group and i didn't know very much about the different groups on campus at that point. I was just going to audition for as many as I could and then kind of see what happens. And I ended up auditioning for the uh, Underground Town, which was the mixed high and low voices group on campus. Mm -hmm. And they held their auditions a week earlier than the other option I had, which was what she said, the trouble voice Mm -hmm. group. So I went ahead and auditioned for Underground Sound and I got in and felt like I needed to give them an answer right away because they had accepted me. So I uh, decided to just accept that offer and join the group. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of a tricky situation. Just having their auditions a week earlier because that puts you that kind of puts the pressure on, in that you got an offer before anyone else. You didn't want to turn them down and then not get into another group. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it kind of makes people choose right off the bat which group they you know, are truly interested in because it means not auditioning for the other one. Yeah. And that's something that I think was really good that was changed in the later years. Uh, we didn't require anyone to commit until all the uh, results had come out, which, and I feel mm-hmm. bad that you were kind of, it, it's pressuring and it's, it's uncomfortable and you want to, I always feel that it should be up to the auditionee to kind of see all their options and then make that choice rather than having to be kind of pigeonholed into one. So I'm, I bet that was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I was a freshman, didn't really know how things worked and was just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. As like every <laughs> um, freshman does. Yeah. So I ended up joining Underground Sound and the group itself was in a, a transition as well, I think. And that was actually um, a little throwback here. That was the topic of episode four with oh. our guest, Lisa Hawkins. We talked mm-hmm. about the whole topic of that episode was talking about changing a group culture. And I think you were there mm-hmm. right before the change started to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's been a group that's been discussed before. And it's a group that's just for disclaimer. It's a group that is very successful now and has competed at the ICAs and does so well. But before, you know, it was a different beast that you got involved in. Sorry. Just wanted a little disclaimer. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah, Lisa and I joined at the same time. And I think we kind of had opposite reactions <laughs> yeah. to the group culture. Um, I, I felt like this, I didn't, I felt like I didn't fit in well. And I was frustrated at the level of musicianship at that point. And I think a lot of the leadership that was happening as well was frustrating to me. And I think Lisa took the stance of, okay, I'm going to I'm going to stick with this group and change it and, Mm -hmm. you know, make it better, lead this group. And I felt like I wanted to maybe find another option because I didn't feel like that was You you um, weren't necessarily there to develop a group. You wanted to be in a group, but you didn't want to, you know, take time to turn the ship around. You wanted to just... Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to take that risk at that time. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's huge. That's a huge undertaking just to change something like that and obviously that is the whole premise of episode four so we won't dig into that too much um but what was the level of musicianship like when you got there um i think it let's see so it was mostly non-music majors um mm-hmm. there were a couple but mostly non-music majors so um most of those most of the individuals in the group um didn't have a lot of uh, musical background beyond this group, or at least singing background. Yeah. And I think really, honestly, what I, I think what really got to me uh, um, and really made me decide to switch groups was the rehearsal dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like my time was not being appreciated and like rehearsals were stressful and but like not very much got done. And so I was just kind of feeling like my time was being wasted and I wasn't really, my time wasn't really being respected. And so mm-hmm. that was really, I think what wasn't even the level of musicianship that got to me. It was the, um, the group dynamic, I think really is what got to me. Yeah. Cause you can, if, even if the musicianship level is low, if it's dedicated people and it's an organized environment, you can build off of that and you can mm-hmm. go somewhere. But if the motivation or the organization isn't great, when someone like you who comes along, who's you know a trained musician, who's very focused personality, wants to get work done and create music, that's 
you know, that's it's you're, you might be kind of waiting around for other people to catch up and not because they're not as good musicians, because maybe they're not focused or maybe just things aren't meshing or as well put together as you would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in a kind of unique situation where what she said, I found out that what she said was going to be auditioning for new members at the semester and um, instead of usually they just hold auditions in September, Mm -hmm. Um, but they were going to be holding more auditions in January because a few of their members were either leaving for personal reasons or going abroad, studying abroad. Mm -hmm. So um, they were holding auditions and I decided to beef up the sound. (laughs) Exactly. And I decided to go ahead and audition for them. Do you remember telling the group leadership or do you remember what the reaction was in any sense? Yeah, I I told the group music director at the time mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't the only one to leave at the semester, actually. I wasn't ah. the only one who was leaving. So I think uh, this person was feeling pretty frustrated and just was kind of like, all right, fine, <laughs> whatever. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was a little tense. Did you, I'm, I'm interested because I've, um, did you, when you left, did you tell her you were planning to audition for what she said? Or did you just tell her that you were leaving? I believe I, I told the musical director that I was leaving for personal reasons, um, and didn't explain, I think I was still, um, undecided as to whether or not I was going to audition for another group and, mm-hmm. Or not sure that I would get in, you know, but knew that I wanted to had made the decision to leave yeah. underground sound. So, um, yeah, so it was it was a stressful time, definitely. Um, Especially I, at I semester want... end when finals and yeah. everything. Yeah, I didn't want to make anybody unhappy. You know, I didn't want anyone to be upset with me, but um, I knew wasn't happy so <laughs> i needed to make the change so yeah. no and that's it's if the individual singers aren't happy it's going to come through in performances it's going to come through in practices it's just not going to mesh as well so right. um before you even I'm, I'm interested that before you even joined what she said or before you even auditioned after you had left the group um and had that conversation with the musical director did you face any sort of falling out or any animosity from the other group members who, um, who weren't the directors, but the, the, you know, the, the other people essentially. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I felt a little, uh, of the members that I did see, I felt a little bit shunned, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of expected that I, no one was outwardly, but I definitely, they didn't get egged or anything. No, I didn't get egged. <laughs> but I, you know, I was just kind of ignored, I think is the better way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and I think that's kind of just the game you play when you make that decision. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what was, what was the process going forward? Yeah, so I then decided to audition for the, for what she said, the other, my other option. Mm-hmm. And, um, that ended up working really well for me. And I made sure um, this time to ask about rehearsal schedules during my audition, what kind of performances they did, and try and get a better sense for the group dynamic. Yeah. Um, which is something that I highly encourage anyone auditioning uh, for an acapella group to do is to ask questions and try and get a better sense if the group is a good fit for you as well. Um, because I think that shows interest and, um, and you know, will help you find a group that's a good fit for you um so i think i was glad and i i liked what i heard from the group mm-hmm. and i um 
and that proved to be um, a good fit for me for the rest of my college career. So yeah, absolutely. Having yeah. been there, I can I can confirm it was a good fit for anyone <laughs> who doesn't take a word at it. Um, so. Did you have any regrets about, not about leaving UCLA, but did you have any regrets about things you didn't ask? Or do you have any regrets about how you approached the audition process in the fall? Things you had done differently, so maybe you would have ended up in the right group from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So I wish that I had, um, again, I think being a freshman, I was just like going with the flow and afraid to ask too many questions Mm -hmm. and seem, you know, I don't know. Um, prissy or like, yeah, or or I'll join your group or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Above the groups or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I don't think that, I think that that is something that, um, you, you have to do, you know, just to, I, I, if I could do it over again, I would ask more questions about the group dynamic and ask about what kind of performances they do throughout the year and what their rehearsal schedules are and what their expectations are of members in the groups for, as far as practicing on their own and, um, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that would have helped me get a better sense for the group before just blindly accepting, you know, yeah. what's, well, it's really hard to get a sense of group culture when, um, I mean, I, as I recall, and I think it's still this way, basically, you know, you show up, you're a freshman, you see the groups perform at the like club rush thing, just the kind of basic, mm-hmm. and you just get that taste of the performance and then, you know, that's it. Yeah, it's just tricky because it's hard to get a sense of the group when you all you have is that one when you just get a little sense of the performance. You know, it's not like you get to sit on rehearsals or like watch them perform more than once. It's you get the chance of seeing them at the performance and maybe asking questions. So I think it puts a lot on incoming freshmen to be really proactive and asking a lot of questions, which might make group leaders Mm -hmm. uncomfortable because they might ask something like, oh, have you ever competed at the ICCAs? And then they're like, no. And then they feel awkward and bad, you know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's, I guess the lesson from this um, is, is, don't be afraid to ask too many questions because it's really hard to get a sense of a group unless you've like stalked them on Facebook like for years beforehand. And even then, like <laughs> you might join a group that you thought was like really great or maybe it was great the year before and then all the good seniors left or something. And it's again, leadership is out the door. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's so tricky trying to get a grasp on what the group is. And, and, yeah. and you had to got yours by being in it and being in the wrong one, which is a bummer, but... Yeah. And I would say as someone who's been on the other side of the audition process as well, you know, being in a group and um, listening to and meeting new people, potential new members, if someone came in and asked all those questions, I would be really impressed. I would, you know, yeah, I would be very impressed by that. So I don't think you should be afraid to ask questions during the audition process. Absolutely. Would you mind delving into kind of the specific differences between the two groups, maybe in what were musical rehearsals like in what she said versus underground sound? What were, what was the feel of the group? You mentioned not really feeling like you fit in in underground sound. What, what was the difference that made it a good fit? Yeah. Again, I want to preface that I think Underground Sound pretty much the semester after I left moving forward became a very different group. But so while I was in Underground Sound my first semester, and that was the fall of 2012, Mm -hmm. um, rehearsals were sporadic. And when they did happen, um, people were late and didn't know their parts. And, and that led to a fair bit of frustration on the part of 
musical directors, people trying to lead the group. Um, we also have, we're having some issues with leadership and um, certain leaders not allowed to be in the group anymore. And so there was just mm. a lot of stuff going on that um, it was, wasn't stable. Yeah, it was not stable at all. Did they have set dates for rehearsals? Like every Tuesday we meet at four or something? Or was it kind of go by play by ear every week, figure it out? It was, I believe we had set rehearsals, but m most of the time not everyone was there or someone uh -huh. would show up a half hour late or, um, or you know, or just like ten, five or 10 minutes late. But Which makes um, a huge difference. It really does, yeah. And I remember <laughs> I had been in the group for a week and they sat us down and a couple of the leaders said, well, um, you know, okay, leadership is changing. I'm not allowed to be someone, you know, one person was saying, I, I'm not allowed to be in the group anymore. So this person's now going to be the leader. So it was just, it was very, yeah, from the beginning, it was very, very scattered. And things and were I in felt flux. Like, yeah, things were in flux. And I, I just felt like I was really excited to be in a musical group and I wasn't even really getting to sing that much and rehearsals weren't productive. So what, what was it like in what she said? Yeah. So then when I transferred over to what she said, they had uh, leaders, they, they were fortunate enough to have uh, some leadership set in place and um, precedent for rehearsal times and showing up to rehearsal. They actually, uh, what she said has all of their members sign a agreement before joining the group that they will abide by the rehearsal schedules and um, learn their music before coming to rehearsals and all of that. Wow, that's really so smart. Was, yeah. So there was just some more, a lot more structure there that I think kind of held people more accountable. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, seemed, it just seemed a lot more professional and stable. And I think that was what I was looking for at the time. So, yeah. And it's, it's uh it's different when it's you're going into a student led group which you're you know most freshmen or just uh anyone is not really used to and you have mm -hmm. to have, people have to step up and not just be good musicians like if they'd have to be in choir they have to be managers they have to be presidents and leaders and that's that completely changes the culture of the group so musical rehearsals were good did you get a lot better what was the performance opportunities like um between the groups yeah, so um, with underground sound being a bit in flux, the the main focus had just been okay. We've just got to learn some songs for the fall um, the fall concert where all yeah. of the acapella groups at, at mm -hmm. Puget Sound perform together. Whereas when I uh, joined, what she said, they typically did a few performances around campus at different um, organizations and both with you know student led groups and staff held functions and I, I think just the fact that I felt like rehearsals were productive and that we were moving towards something that uh, a common goal which was our our big spring concert mm -hmm. and learning the music and just really working towards that common goal together was just really awesome <laughs> yeah no absolutely I always kind of think of it as like presidents and leaders of the group they're like this they're like the frame of a car and then rehearsals are the engine it doesn't mm. you know everything I don't know members are like the nice leather interior I don't know but the, the, <laughs> metaphor, the metaphor doesn't really work but um the idea of 
everything is motivated by rehearsals. It's all whether those, even if, you know, are you learning the music well? Are, are they positive? Is there a good group vibe? Are all the parts working in sync? And if they mm-hmm. are, then the whole machine moves forward. And when parts are being changed out, when you need a new alternator, I don't even like cars that much. I just had, so I don't know why I'm using this car metaphor. Um, but when things aren't all working together, when all the cogs aren't lined up, um, when not everything's meshing, it just creates a feeling of uncertainty. And I think a big thing, at least um, what I feel like when I'm in a group, when things maybe aren't lining up, I just feel like it's because I unsuccessfully started many acapella groups in my time uh, back in high school. Um, and just like, I just feel like it's always going to fall apart. And that always kept me on edge. Like, oh, it's just mm-hmm. the group's going to not um, function. The group's not going to stay together. People are going to leave and we won't have any members and it'll cease to exist. And I think that feeling can be in a lot of back of people's minds when things aren't quite lining up because it's student-led it's not faculty-led it's not a class you sign up for well that's going to be there you know regardless the next year it's something that's all based on the individuals so i think all the feelings you're feeling and deciding hey this isn't for me are ridiculously legitimate and i i think you should be commended for you know having a sense of agency and deciding I'm going to go where things are working. And it's great now that underground sound is working and they're such a good group. And I'm so proud of what they've done. We play them on the station here a lot. Um, so Aubrey, thank you for giving us that insight. Cause I don't know anything about it and you do. <laughs> sure. No problem. So everyone, we're going to take a quick little break here. We're going to hear a word from Acaville themselves, and then we're going to come back and listen to a tune. Aubrey, do you want to tell us what we're going to be listening to? Yeah, we're going to start with Jolene by Straight No Chaser featuring Dolly Parton. It actually has Dolly Parton on it. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, this is a song that's near and dear to my heart um, and one that I was fortunate enough to get to solo on in my time in what she said. So I hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. Jolie, Jolie, Jolie. 
sung here by Dolly Parton, backed by Straight No Chaser. Fun fact, most of the time, they have, like, acapella covers with the original artist. They just get the original vocal track with the artist from, like, the original recording. But this time, Jolene, actor, not Jolene, Dolly Parton, actually recorded in studio with uh, Straight No Chaser to do that recording. That was off their album, Under the Influence. So, again, my guest today is my really good friend, Aubrey Lawrence, and we were just talking about leaving one group for another, and that's tricky, and Aubrey navigated it deftly her freshman year. And moving on, we're going to talk about group interaction. And basically, I have written on my notes here, acapella politics, because I think that is a very real and very like drama-filled and awkward and strange place to be in the midst of acapella politics. And Aubrey, I'd love to hear, I know it's a big topic, any stories, anecdotes, or just thoughts from that big messy topic we're going to try and unpack today. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that my experience going to school on a campus where we had three acapella groups and then four acapella groups. Yeah, yeah. And every group has its own very distinct culture and way of doing things from their audition process to their rehearsal process to their performance style um and and these are all peer-led groups. And so I think there's, you know, there's there can be judgment there about how other groups do it. And obviously, you know, each group has got to figure out what works best for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, I do know that there, in my experience, was some clickiness, you know, between the yeah. groups. And I think that that is unfortunate. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know that I have any answers about how to avoid it. No, I don't think it's can't necessarily be avoided. I think it can just yeah. be navigated and mm-hmm. uh, lessened is pretty much it. Yeah. So I know that there were, there were efforts to try and make sure that, um, so our, our campus decided to, the acapella community decided to do group songs. Um, and that mm-hmm. was one way trying to kind of unify the, the groups and there were efforts made to make sure that each acapella group had the same opportunities to perform at um, campus functions such as admitted student days and I know that that didn't always pan out Um, but there I know that there were some efforts made to try and make sure that that was fair and equal but it is it's it's a messy thing Um, and because each 
each acapella group is so distinct. And I think acapella tends sometimes tends to attract really strong personalities as well. Mm. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really tricky thing. Yeah. And I think it's set up for that at the very beginning of the year, because we're all, uh, we're all competing with each other, right? As, mm-hmm. uh, right for members. And I know I've had, um, people audition for Timbermen who I really wanted to join and they got in and then they went and joined another group. And it was just kind of this, like, uh, like I wasn't mad at them. I didn't try and fight them. Cause I would <laughs> probably lose regardless of who it was. Um, but it's, we're, we're just from that. We're kind of primed. And then it's kind of like, let me digress for a little second here. It'll make sense. Um, I, you know, I was in a fraternity when I was at UPS and me and my good friend, Daniel, who was also in a fraternity, who was on episode two, we both talked about the acapella audition process. When we first got there, we both said like the process of auditioning for the acapella groups and trying to choose one and figuring that out and trying to be selected and be the most attractive candidate felt more like rushing a fraternity than actually rushing a fraternity did, at least on UPS in UPS. Um, Greek life's very different than you know, um, a lot of other schools there, but I think it's an apt comparison. It's, it feels like, um, I've heard at some schools, they use the term acapella rush. Um, cause that's just what it is. And they'll, they'll have it set up kind of similar to Greek life stuff where instead of, um, cause there's so many groups, they kind of have it pitch perfect style where just one, you go out on the stage and you just audition for everyone all at once. And then there's like functions and you get to know people. Um, obviously this is not a UPS, but I think it's a culture and it's a practice that is not entirely different from what happens at UPS. And it's one that kind of, you know, fraternities and sororities they are competitive with each other and from that get-go we're already trying to beat each other and i mm-hmm. think that kind of and because of that we get the new members like wanting to beat each other too like beat like hey we got you we don't like them whatever you know well and it's like yeah from day one you kind of pledge your loyalty you know yeah you then... gotta sacrifice a goat and all that stuff oh yeah all that stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> so aubrey um, without naming names or, you know, revealing any testimonies you might not be allowed to talk about outside of court. I'm wondering, <laughs> I thought that was a joke. There were no actual like court cases, at least that I'm aware of in regards to acapella infighting. I'm wondering if you might be willing to delve into any of the clickiness you saw or just things that maybe upset you or things that kind of reflect the reality that I think people at other schools will face in regards to acapella cultures and clashing cultures and infighting between groups. Well, I do think that because what she said and garden level started out as the women's group and the men's group, which is not the case uh, currently. So just a little disclaimer, there are currently four groups on the University of Puget Sound campus. We're just going to kind of use these as overall um, examples there is garden level the large tenor bass group which she said the large soprano alto group underground sound the uh, semi-small mixed group and then timberman my group um the one i started the small uh, quintet tenor bass group so aubrey take it away yeah so i think because when garden level and what she said uh, were originally formed as garden level being the male group and mm-hmm. For male voices and what she said being the for female voices. Um, and because of that, we were given – these two groups were given a joint um, account for funding. Oh, right. 
I think I mean I don't know if that is the reason. I, I think there's also just people who form those groups um, had close relationships already, but there was definitely um, some clickiness that happened between those two groups. And I know that um, underground sound often felt left out. And um, I know Timberman, once Timberman became a group as well, um, felt left out of that. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to be said, which is, a, I think, an interesting parallel because Underground Sound is the oldest acapella group and mm-hmm. then Timberman's the newest. But we're both kind of, you know, I think what happens on a lot of campuses is that certain groups, I mean, certain groups attract certain kind of people. That's, you know, obviously. Um, and what happened at our school was that there was a, uh, what she said, underground sound attracted uh, a lot of music majors. And those were just kind of seen as the music major groups. And I've seen that on other campuses. I've seen that at um, a lot of campuses I've toured and uh, saw when I visited colleges. The idea of a music major group and those groups being like kind of a higher caliber in a sense. And that can create a culture on its own and kind of sets the stage for what kind of people will follow, essentially. Absolutely. I, and I know at many, many um, schools, the music culture, because music students are taking lots of classes together, they're in similar ensembles, um, they're kind of their time is required for (laughs) a lot of reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. and they end up just spending a lot of time together because of so many rehearsals and things like that. So, um, I think that, yeah, that was just perpetuated because once, um, garden level and what she said obtained a lot of music majors, you know, those, those people already knew each other and it became very easy to, and I know, I know for a fact that, um, as a member of what she said, we would definitely try to recruit music majors that we had met earlier, you know, early on in the year, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's important to have at least a few music majors in yeah. the group who have piano skills and have music theory skills and can arrange pieces. Um, yeah, so I think that that was perpetuated in that way that you know the higher caliber music major groups, um, and I do think that underground sound kind of took a a different approach and identified themselves as the the opposite of that you know Mm -hmm. the the group that um wasn't afraid to be silly and but was serious and was going to compete and um but maybe it was a little bit more inclusive than the other groups i think that's kind of something that they identified with well yeah and i think that makes a lot of sense because i feel that's something also very unique to small schools and that uh, when I had uh, Greg Starr on in a few episodes ago, uh, you know, uh, where he went to a bit, we talked about state schools versus small schools, you mm-hmm. know, at a state school, there's tons of music majors. It's you're going to there's plenty of them. And it's, you know, they're not all claimed, whereas at UPS and I think a lot of other small schools, having talked to other um, acapella groups and acapella leaders from small schools, small liberal arts schools, um, it's it's trying to get the music majors first and trying to they're the ones that are going to ensure a good group foundation that the group's going to do well musically and you kind of see those as like the must-haves so i i don't find that surprising at all that is something that the acquisition and continued acquisition of music majors or non-music majors is something that was a big uh, cornerstone of each of the group's cultures they all had to interact with that in their own way and 
make their own culture based off that because there weren't enough for everybody. So if your group was known for getting lots of music majors, you're, you're in a good spot because that's probably what you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, again, going back to someone who maybe has decided to go to a small, you know, small laboratory school like the University of Puget Sound, again, it just becomes super important that you ask questions during the audition process and find out what kind of group you're auditioning for and see if that's a good fit for you. Absolutely. So something that I also discovered being on the other side of the audition process for my acapella group is um, seeing how other students in the campus community perceive the acapella culture as a whole. Yeah. And um, it's something that I think um, just based on the number of people who audition for acapella groups, um, a lot of people want to be, um, are curious about it, you know, and, and want to um, be a part of it. It's, it's seen as this, I think it's even as a whole acapella is seen as like a click on campus. It's a, mm-hmm. it's equal to like a fraternity or sorority, you know, um, it's, I think it's pretty, it's seen as kind of an, uh, an elite thing, I guess, especially because we have the audition process. It's kind of similar to rushing for, you know, a, mm-hmm. a fraternity or sorority. Um, so I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that notion, but I realize that it's, it's there mm-hmm. and, and the audition process is, is necessary. Um, but I, I hope that as someone who, had to turn down many people, you know, in the audition process yeah. that I, I hope it doesn't. So if anyone's auditioning for an acapella group and they don't get it, I don't think that that should ever be a personal affront, you know, and yeah. um, it's, it's just another, another group, but it's not, it's not as elite as you think it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And being leading one of the groups and trying to navigate that you know, tricky uh, political climate of of acapella the climate of acapella politics. How I found it the most successful, and I think this has uh, been a, I, I think a successful thing that Timberman has done and have continued to do, is we were we were lucky in that we were like the beginning of my last semester when it was really established. We we're a very chill group of guys. Um, we were just all good, fr- pretty good friends with each other. We all had the same direction we wanted to go and having created a new group on campus and having that enter that political climate there was it was a bit of not not like a shakeup but it turned some heads and sometimes the reaction wasn't always great i had people to try and tell me what repertoire we were allowed to do um Mm -hmm. and it was and our approach being just kind of a bunch of you know just regular guys who just wanted to make music and do it well our approach was we're not gonna if we're, we're gonna try and be as professional as possible um and that's not saying other groups were like we're not going to be professional but we decided we are going to try and be as logical and as pragmatic and professional as possible with this and if it seems like we're getting into the kind of um drama filled maybe personality clashes or just you know uh power dynamics we're just like you know we're not we're not going to devolve to this um or mm-hmm. we're not we're not going to go down that road because and we had that privilege because 
we were all we were so new and we're just like we're gonna do things very straightforward and by the book and if we're not getting a gig that the other groups have always gotten we're gonna just go straight to the um we're gonna go to the administration whoever does that and we're gonna say hey here it is here's how this lays out and we had we made a very conscious decision to just really not try and get involved in that because it's so messy that web of that web of lies yeah well i remember when timberman was forming and i think that all of the acapella groups on campus had definitely identified themselves as you know having their own genre and their own place on campus um and so when timberman was formed it was kind of a oh what are the, who are they going to be what are they going are they going to you know are they going to be too similar to us that we won't mm-hmm. be differentiated anymore um because garden level and what she said had pretty pretty solidly identified themselves as your typical acapella group you know yeah. make, doing covers and and rearranging typical pop songs and jazz songs and yeah. um things that you would hear on the radio you know and underground sound had kind of taken their um, identify themselves with using a lot of different choreography and doing um, Disney songs Lots and Disney, other, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was kind of a shakeup to see like who are Timbermen, what are they going to do? Yeah. Um, and there was some, I think, misunderstanding. People thought that Timbermen was going to be a barbershop group, and then yeah, but I think it just goes back to people feeling, and I think it does go back to what you were talking about earlier about the competitiveness and worrying that. Um, that Timberman would take away from the following that mm-hmm. any of the other groups had already. And I think all of that is very heightened when it's a small school, you're in close, I mean, yes, you're in close quarters, but the, <laughs> like the resources are smaller. Like I said, you know, mm-hmm. members it's, I think had that been on a bigger state school campus, people have been like, okay, you know, I don't think it would have shaken it up as much, but when, I mean, the, our campus was, is, uh, was 2,600 and there are four acapella groups. Um, so that's, interesting ratio it's an interesting disbursement and yeah to and i was originally thought like oh maybe it'll just be a barbershop thing then i was like no i want us to do you know a bunch of stuff they still do some barbershop they still do and they do a lot of contemporary pop stuff they did you know the shins and they did muse but they also did um the arrangement of a barbershop tune of like my wild irish rose and there was pushback from us doing more popular stuff and it was just kind of like you know what i i just had to bring it back to when i had this discussion with those other people like this is self-determination. You guys all had this opportunity to create your groups and create your space and choose what you want it to be. And you got to let us have that too, essentially. And we got to just, and I think that kind of cooled things down and made it a more open and relaxed relationship. Cause we just said, you know what, we're, we're going to try and be afforded the same privileges you guys had, and we're going to do our thing. And Hey, it's not like I'm creating a clone of another group and they're not going to, we're not going to start dressing like you and wear the same clothes and do our hair like you, but we got to coexist here. And I think, you know, for anyone who's trying to start an acapella group, don't, don't try and compromise your vision too much and stick to stick to your guns. Don't be jerks and be weird and demand things, but stick to your vision and understand that the politicalness of acapella is a tricky place and navigate it and tread lightly mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so we're gonna take another break here and this will be our last one so aubrey do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be listening to now 
Yeah. So actually, this ties right into differentiating yourself and kind of having your own identity. I think Pentatonics is a group that's done that really well. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. So we're going to listen to Aha by Pentatonics. It's a kind of spooky but really fun uh, arrangement. That, so I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. Tied up tight Wheat, meat, dairy, free teeth Total happy, clappy, high on life You should try it You should know, you should know, you should know. Go on while no one's looking Cost you to keep me quiet Sharp, smart moves Plastic, tin, can, paper Separated, busy, be wave, wave Save the planet flag But sneaky in suburbia Ah, 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 candy camera Line and sinker for a four-wheel drive Cost you to keep me quiet Charming, very charming Well, I can play the full known Still at ease and put the deepest Swiss bank trust In you No one saw it coming oh, oh, you to keep me quiet and once again welcome back to tacapella so everyone we've covered two really kind of not controversial but touchy topics and i think aubrey has handled them very well we talked about leaving a group and then group politics obviously those are tied very well together and then the third kind of prong of this week is talking about group leadership but uh from a perspective of someone who didn't hold a leadership role and you know you guys have all heard me talk uh infinitum probably too much about well i led the group and i did this and we were great and blah 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 but and that's one perspective and that's one small perspective, but Aubrey brings a perspective of being the direct recipient of leadership decisions and that she didn't hold a leadership role. And I think that's a really important perspective to have. So Aubrey, tell us smart things about that. 
<laughs> yeah. So I was in what she said for three and a half years, but I didn't directly hold a, a leadership role by any means. Mm-hmm. And so what she said actually changes their leadership pretty drastically each year because um, seniors graduate and individuals decide they want to step up and, you know, step into these leadership roles. And so uh, we had a different, either different musical director or a combination of musical directors and um, presidents each year that I was in what she said. And Obviously, everyone is going to have a different leadership style. Um, that's just how how you know leadership works, how people how people function. But um, it was definitely interesting to see how different um, styles were more effective, and some mm-hmm. um, I felt like needed you know some sometimes leaders needed feedback, and um, it was also interesting because especially my last year as a senior, um, having seen all of these different styles come through, having been in the group for so long um, and having opinions myself about what I thought would make, um, what I thought would be effective leadership ways of leading the group, you know, and, but, but also not being a leader. So being able to give feedback, but not really being the person who could directly say what the group needed to do. Yeah. Implement it. So, um, and I will say that I think I, I, I am a huge fan of what she said. And I think that we as a group, um, cultivated a very open, yes, just a very open, Healthy. uh, healthy dynamic, um, for feedback. But I knew, I do know that, um, I think something one of the pitfalls of uh, peer-led groups is not asking for feedback from your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's, I think that's just so important, asking for feedback, communicating with members about how things are going. And it's time-consuming. Um, it takes time to get feedback from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that it's it's a really important way to continually make every member feel like they are included in the where the group is going and um, included in the making of the group dynamic mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's something that you know I just I think that you sometimes leaders need reminders of that I yeah. guess um, and I I can't speak as someone who led the group you know I can't say from that perspective what that must be like but I do think that it's just so important to cultivate an open and um, communicative environment, especially in peer-led groups such as acapella groups. Yeah, did um, curious. Did you ever have situations where maybe, where or maybe the leaders didn't get feedback or didn't ask for feedback, and maybe things didn't run as smoothly as they could have? Yeah, I had an interesting semester in the fall of my senior year. This was the semester I I went abroad in the spring of my junior year. So I was away from the group for a semester and then came back the next fall. And obviously the group had evolved a lot while I was gone because the semester is a long time and there were new leaders in place. And I think that I was kind of one step behind because I had missed, missed that semester and missed where the group had evolved while Mm -hmm. I was gone. And, um, I felt like the way the group was headed was the group members weren't giving as much, weren't having as much say in just the day-to-day decisions that the group had to make, such as what kind of performances the group wanted to do Mm -hmm. and what the group 
wanted to get out of rehearsals and um, just that that feedback was not being leaders were not seeking out that feedback from the group. It was more of a executive type of situation. And what she said has had a tradition of at the end of each semester, we go around in a circle and say anything about the semester that we felt went really well, anything that we thought should be improved upon. And so I love that tradition, but I do think that sometimes there needs to be even more of that in the meantime as well. So when I brought up my concerns at the end of the semester meeting, we decided to, to um, implement mid-semester check-ins, you know, and see how things Ooh, were going. Yeah. And so we, we did that in the spring um, after I brought up that concern. And I think that that was, that was a really healthy thing for us. And it kind of actually evolved into a bonding experience for us as well. Oh, yeah. Brought food after one rehearsal and just all stayed after and kind of checked in with everybody. And there were people who had concerns and questions that I think just kind of get pushed by the wayside when you're in the frenzy of getting music learned for certain concerts throughout the semester. So I think that was a really healthy thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think that's a really good way to redirect that and kind of refocus and get things on a bit of a more open footing where everyone can speak. Because I know having been a group leader in a group where it was mostly non-music majors and two music majors who were the kind of leaders of the group, and we mm-hmm. had, everyone had pretty much the same vision. And everyone was pretty much, they were kind of down with our vision for the group, both in terms of performances and musicals, or not musical and musical direction and what they wanted the group to be. And it was ridiculously smooth sailing, which was like, which was great. Well, I think, so one of the benefits of having a smaller group such as Timberman was only four or five members is that it's a lot easier to communicate with everyone and make sure that they are all on the same page. Yep. Um, Versus a group like what she said, which bounces between around 12 to 16 members. Yeah. And there are a lot of individuals who have different, you know, visions for the group and what, what the group should be doing. So, um, and even just down to like what, how rehearsals should be run and what to expect of members showing up to rehearsal, you know, what should the outfits look like? <laughs> you know, these are serious questions. No, seriously. <laughs> I think that's a huge part. I, I will not lie. We spent some time discussing that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just, that's part of, you know, the mechanics of running a larger group versus a smaller group. Um, you know, with a smaller group, it's, it's a lot tougher because you've got to make sure everyone's on, you know, solid on their part. You just can't have a single stray note. But yeah, um, one of the challenges of having a larger group is that making the group dynamic and making sure that everyone is communicating on the same page is um, is more tricky. It's yeah, difficult. and I feel like it's it's really easy to set up a when it's small group, um, like you said, just fewer viewpoints to reconcile. It's easy to kind of set mm-hmm. up like a um, a member profile in a sense so this is what we're looking for this is the personality we kind of want um these are the people we know we work well with this is what we want musically and i know when we were like doing auditions and stuff everyone talked about every person who auditioned because if you didn't say something it was like we wanted everyone's input and Mm -hmm. there was just from the get-go from the very beginning there was a lot of communication if there was an issue it was brought up right then and there in rehearsal (laughs) and it was addressed and that was ridiculously positive a ridiculously positive experience and a learning one for me and one that yeah i think small groups big groups all that stuff it all the mechanics are so tricky and it's a little easier when you're you know, instead of having all these different gears, I don't know what it is with the car metaphors tonight. I'm sorry, but the when it's you know 
some things are easier to drive than others, but you get the goals are different and the end results are different. So, Aubrey, I think that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've wanted you on for a long time. It's great to have you here. So, Aubrey, do you want to tell the listeners what we're going to be playing out the hour with? Yes. So we're going to be playing out Hide and Seek uh, by Imogen Heap. This is what she said, signature song. We sing it uh, at the end of every uh, all of our spring concerts. And it's something that we actually have used as a a bonding activity as well. So um goes back to that um, leadership and bonding and group communication. And um, I think that's something that's kind of kept our group at least close over the years. So without any further ado, hide it and seek. Where are we? What the hell is going on? The dust has only just begun to fall. Crop cycles in a carpet Sinking feeling Spin me round again And rub my eyes This can't be happening When Stop too old heads heavy Say mm, that it's all for the best. Of course.
Cause it is what you say mm, That is just what we need You decided this What you say mm, What did she say And some notes keep falling out your mouth Mid-sweet talk newspaper word cutouts Speaks no feeling no Sweet talk, newspaper, we're cut out, 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 we're cut